Hello guys, hope you're doing well. This is your host Parth and you're listening to The Business Tales. Here we study the stories of growth of some of the most successful companies around the world. Today we're going to explore the story of the famous American sportswear company Nike. So without further ado, let's dive straight into it. Nike, the world's most popular and biggest sportswear company. In just over 50 years, one man's dream of better shoes turned into a global corporation worth over $100 billion. Today, we're going back to the earliest days of Nike to figure out how that magic happened and what the ingredients were to their success. The year is 1962 and Phil Knight had just graduated from Stanford. As any business graduate can tell you, becoming an entrepreneur is difficult if you don't have good ideas, but Phil had one. He was a distance runner back in the university and in one of his business classes, he had written a paper proposing the following idea. Phil had seen how Japanese cameras had replaced the dominant German cameras in the American market and he wondered whether Japanese shoes could do the same to Puma and Adidas which were at the time extremely popular in America. But back to Phil. After writing that paper and graduating, Phil became obsessed with his idea about bringing Japanese shoes to the USA. Of course, he didn't actually own any Japanese running shoes and the few he had seen were brought stateside by soldiers who had been stationed in Japan during the occupation after the Second World War. But this lack of exposure only reassured Phil that he had stumbled upon a great opportunity. He knew that to take advantage of it, he'd have to establish contact with a Japanese company and negotiate to import their goods to America, both of which were actions he had exactly zero experience with. But as is befitting of the man who'd later create Nike, he went ahead and just did it. In November 1962, he flew over to Japan like a tourist and just started exploring. In the beautiful city of Kobe, he stumbled upon a shoe store that caught his eye. It belonged to a company called Onitsuka Tiger and the shoes they made were for their time very high quality. So much so that Phil was determined to import them back home. He presented himself as an American shoe distributor and arranged a meeting with the company's founder. Phil made up a company name on the spot and offered to become Onitsuka's distributor in America, a proposal which, probably to his surprise, the owner actually accepted. With nothing more than his confidence, Phil had become the exclusive distributor for Onitsuka Tigers in USA. In their first year, BRS sold $8,000 worth of shoes and with that money, Phil started hiring salesmen for his company. In 1965, their revenue had increased to $20,000 and pretty soon, they opened their very own store in Santa Monica. But while Phil was handling the business side of the operation, the actual innovation was coming from Bill. He was the guy who single-handedly brought jogging to America. In 1966, he wrote a book about it that sold over a million copies and of course his company was among the first to start marketing the tiger shoes for jogging. Powerman was all about innovation and with every new shipment from Onitsuka, he'd cut open a few shoes to see how they were made and he'd always try to improve them by, for example, adding to the cushion or using more lightweight materials. He'd constantly send his notes to Japan requesting changes and he was effectively designing Onitsuka shoes for them. It was one of the best designs 
that catapulted BRS into mainstream, the Cortis, as he called it, became one of the best-selling shoes in 1968, undoubtedly thanks to the 1968 Olympics held in Mexico. Thanks to the Cortis, BRS sold $300,000 worth of shoes in 1969, but they had a bigger problem. The Cortis was so successful that they couldn't keep up with the demand. Every new shipment they received sold out faster than the one before, but Onitsuka kept sending them at the same glacial pace. What Onitsuka were doing was actually satisfying their own local demand in Japan first and then sending whatever was left to America. Phil and Bill knew that to expand, they would have to evolve beyond just being a simple distributor. Then they realized that they held all the cards. The Cortez was Bowman's design, so as soon as their contract with Onitsuka expired, they were free to start making it for themselves. Luckily for them, their contract would end in 1972, just before the Olympics in Munich. Thus, Phil had plenty of time to prepare for his big move. In 1971, he started working on the branding. His first employee suggested calling the brand Nike after the Greek goddess of victory. Then Phil needed a logo, so he went to a nearby university, snatched the first graphic designer student he could find, and told her to make him a logo. For the impressive sum of $35, he got the logo that we now know as the Nike swoosh. In hindsight, that was money well spent, and with his branding now complete, Phil was ready for the Olympics. This time, instead of locking himself into exclusive agreements, Phil established a network of subcontractors across Japan. With production under his control, Phil could finally spread his wings. From then on, the story of Nike became one of growth. They became the largest sportswear company in America in 1989 because of the brilliant marketing skills like the Just Do It campaign and by signing rookie athletes that would eventually become famous across the world. The ascent of Nike is a story every bit as interesting as the early days of Phil Knight. Today, Nike has become one of the most successful players in the global apparel and footwear market. Nike's revenue worldwide in the year 2020 was 37.4 billion US dollars. Nike's net income worldwide was 2.54 billion US dollars and Nike's brand value in the year 2020 was 34.8 billion US dollars. Nike's footwear revenue in North America was 9.3 billion US dollars. Nike's footwear revenue in Greater China was 4.6 billion dollars. With these facts, you can imagine the growth of Nike. Today, Nike is one of the biggest sportswear companies in the world. So here we come to the end of this episode of The Business Tales. Hope you liked it and if you did, please share it with your friends and family so that they can also know the success story of Nike and learn from it. This is your host Parth signing off. Have a nice day.